Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dean Rogers. Welcome back to the Dean Rogers Show. Today, I have an incredible guest. I can't wait to dive into the details. Mr. Brad Chandler. What's up, Brad? Hey, hey. What's up, dude? I'm stoked, dude. I, I'm reading through your bio. I already know about you. Uh, you know, we're in the same mastermind together. But, dude, this is going to be an incredible episode. So many people are going to get so much value from this. I can't wait to dive in. Guys, if you don't know Brad Chandler, Brad Chandler's out on the East Coast in 2002, an investor bought his neighbor's house in Virginia. And after talking with the investor, he decided to start Express Home Buyers. Uh, before that, you were introduced to real estate in the ninth grade on how to buy houses. But once you started Express Home Buyers, 20 years later, you bought and sold 4,000 homes across the country, and you've been able to do it a lot of without your involvement. So that's where my ears perk up and everyone else's ears perk up. Uh, your main impact, uh, your main focus is actually making an impact on your team and the clients you work with. And a lot of that comes from in 2021, you went through a major life transformation you found freedom, happiness through self-love, loving on yourself. So uh, that I can't wait to hear more about that. Love yourself. You got a love yourself shirt on. Um, and then in 2022, you felt obligated to share this path with others and you started Brad Chandler Coaching. Awesome. Hey guys, welcome to the Dean Rogers Show, where we talk about real deals that we're doing and bring on awesome guests to talk about how they're finding success in their business to inspire and motivate you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. All right, see you on the show. Okay, well, dude, <clears throat> if that didn't set the stage, 4,000 homes, you done a, had a, a ton of success. Uh, you had a major life transformation, doing a lot of this business without your involvement now. Let's, before we, we unravel all of that, let's go back to the beginning. What was building that business like? How'd you get into yes. it? Well, it started in ninth grade when I read a book on how to buy real estate with no money down by Robert Allen, who last okay. week with you in Tampa got to meet him after 30 years. It was incredible. I was like, you're the, he was the author of the book. 30 years went by, I never met him. So I got to walk up to him and say, you were instrumental in helping me buy 4,000 houses. Oh, cool. So yeah, it was that was an honor. So back in 2002, like you said, an investor bought my neighbor's house and I went and talked to him and he's like, yeah, I buy houses below market. And I'm like, hmm. I don't really remember too much about that real estate book, but I do remember you can make a lot of money in real estate. And I wanted to make a lot of money and we'll get into why in a bit. But I um, I decided in late 2002, that's what I was going to do. And for eight long months, man, I worked my butt off a full-time job. I'd come home at six o'clock. I'd stay with my newborn son from six to eight, put him to sleep and then start working from eight to 11, eight to midnight weekends, hand addressing hundreds of envelopes, banging we buy houses signs on telephone poles, hanging door hangers. I mean, you name it. And eight months later, I just, every day I got more and more persistent. I bought my first house in July and August. I bought six houses and in October of 2003, I went to my boss at the time. I said, I quit. I came home. I told my <laughs> wife at the time, I just quit and I'm starting Express Home Buyers. And she's like, Have you lost your mind? We have a newborn son and I have two kids. Like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, It's going to be fine. And 
here we are 20 years later. We're not still married, but it's all been fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I got to ask you about meeting Robert Allen. How did you feel? How did you feel when you met, met the person who set this whole thing off for you? I mean, it was like, it was just amazing. I felt, I felt love. I felt gratitude. Um, and I told him, I was like, you, you're responsible for me providing a life for myself the last 20 years. I've certainly had ups and downs like everyone else, but it's giving, it gave me the freedom. It didn't give me the true freedom. We'll talk about what freedom really is in a couple of minutes, but it gave me the freedom to, to be, I've been a single dad for 12 years. So I never missed anything that my kids had, no events or whatever. I was, I've been able to travel. I've led a really great life based on real estate. So j- just more grateful than anything for him. Yeah. I know uh, I, I got started off of a free podcast, Sean Terry, Flip to Freedom podcast. I've talked to him on the phone. We've exchanged text messages over the years and still haven't met him in person. I, I feel like I'm... I'm going to be like the little kid who sees the celebrity that they, they think about all the time when I meet him. Um, I feel like I might cry when I see him. Cause like, you know, it's not like we've been working together for, for the 10 years I've been in business, but he was so instrumental and he was the one that inspired me and, and also helped me do my first couple of deals. Like not by telling me how to do them, but literally working with me on the deals uh, on the dispo side. So Nice. Yeah, no, I, I can, I can imagine the feelings that you had just being like super excited. So that's cool. It's cool. It's kind of like a childhood hero type of thing. So yeah, you, you fast forwarded through the 20 years, what were some of the biggest lessons you learned through those 20 years to, to do that amount of volume, those amount of transactions? What were some of the biggest lessons that you learned? Wow. Um, that people and systems are really, really important. That's probably the number one thing I learned. I learned from some mistakes that I made. Um, I made five business mistakes over those uh, the first 17 years that cost myself and my partner $9 million. Um, so I learned a lot about that. And that was all, when I look back, those were all mistakes that were made trying to make a bunch of money to prove my worth and mm. to um, th- thinking money would bring me happiness, which it never does. Um, I learned that it's really important when you have two visionaries, because my partner and I of 20 years, he's also a visionary and you really need an integrator. You need someone who's strong in operations. No question. Yeah. I think two visionaries, let's go. No, you go. Let's, let's go together. Uh, wait, who's going to do the work? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, you got to have the visionary. You got to have someone who's pushing, who's driving, but you got to have the integrator. Uh, what's funny about that is the partnership that I have, my partner is definitely more so the the visionary. He's more of like a workhorse visionary, meaning like he's he's willing to hustle and grind um, and has big picture. But, uh, and, and I was really the integrator to start, right? Um, I was the one that understood the, the inner workings and the marketing and systems operation stuff. Um, but I've kind of transformed more into a visionary uh, that can still get their hands dirty with with the uh, the integrator type work. So our roles have kind of like transformed and shifted over the years, but uh, we've been able to make it work. So what was it for you that you needed to do with two visionaries to allow things to work? 
Wow. Um, so we tried and failed a lot trying to bring in that role over the years, um, trying to bring in like a CEO, COO type. Um, and it wasn't until the last couple of years. Well, you know, everything changed with me three years ago, trying to get my son help for anxiety. Um, and I realized that I had some childhood issues that I hadn't dealt with some childhood programming. And I learned in that three hour session with this ex Navy SEAL, uh, my life completely changed. And I realized that I was doing everything in my life to try to prove myself. And when I realized that I'd no longer had to prove myself, that there was nothing wrong with me, that it was all the shortcomings of my father and my upbringing is when everything shifted in my life. And one of the big shifts was, well, I don't need to prove anything. So I don't need to go make these crazy mistakes or take these crazy gambles. And everything in my life changed, including my company, including my culture. Like I wasn't, you know, pressing on people. Oh, you got to make a ton of phone calls. You got to make money. It was more from a standpoint of how can I make an impact? What if, uh, if, if the salesperson, if the acquisition associate, like what is their goals? You know, do they want to buy their mom a house in Florida and then figuring out, okay, well, how many calls do you have to make to do that? So just everything shifted for me. And when I wasn't frantic and causing a bunch of chaos, trying to prove my worth, like kind of everything slowed down. And then we brought in a CEO, a CFO almost two years ago, they like totally streamlined our financials so we could start managing by the numbers. Now we've got all these awesome metrics at our fingertips so we can actually start managing by the numbers instead of the gut feelings that two uh, two visionaries all, always did. So it was really a combination of stuff, but it was changing me on a personal level. And the irony of that is the person who led me through my transformation got on the mental side of the business because he'd go to these Fortune 500 companies and these he'd, he'd sit down with these CEOs and they're like, fix my company. And he's like, there's nothing to fix with your company. We've got to fix what's between your ears. And when when they shifted and they and they then they overcame those childhood programming, then everything changed about their company. That's exactly what happened with me. Killer. So I, I kind of want to take a step back and, and step into where you were at when you first got started. Because I think a lot of listeners are going to be in that position right now and getting perspective is helpful because what you've accomplished is, is insane. It's crazy. It's, it's, you know, a lot. And people always wonder, well, how, how did he, it must've been the right time to start, right? It might, it must, he must've started with a lot of money or there's always, you know, these limiting beliefs people will start placing in front of themselves to say, well, that can't be me. I can't be like Brad sitting there with a love yourself shirt and a thankful sign in the background, you know, I, I can't be like Brad. Um, but what were those early days like? I mean, did you guys have any sort of capital to get started with to kind of fund and seed the business or were we rubbing two nickels together or what, what were things like when you first got started? I had a negative $80,000 net worth when I started. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Negative. I, I went to graduate school and I ran up an $80,000 tab living like a king for two years. And um, so, no, I didn't have, I didn't have shit. Um, that's why I was doing guerrilla marketing. And after I saved up a little bit of money, uh, my mom actually lent me $20,000 on my second deal where I made 40 or 45,000. And she was a nurse who probably never made more than like 65 grand in her entire life. So I paid her back and, um, She's been a lender a couple of times over the years, but no, I, I started grassroots and I'd show up to these meetings every week, Dean, and these people would be holding up these checks. And I'm like, what the heck? Like if they can do it, I can do it. As much as I had an internal, like subconscious, you're not enough. 
I was like, well, I got to figure this out because I, I got to be enough. So I just kept getting more and more persistent. I just wouldn't give up. And I just kept trying and trying and trying. And eventually eight months into it, I bought my first house. And then the next two months I bought six houses. Eight months is what it took you. I think people need to hear that. You know, I, I have some students, they've gotten their first deal in the first month. And I'm like, don't expect that to be just everything's easy. You know, like that's awesome, but keep pushing hard. It took me three months to do my first deal, being relentless every second I had outside of my nine to five and my commute to and from work, which was three hours round trip. Ooh. And uh, and it was all from just an audio free podcast and being laser focused. It took you eight months. You said you were doing guerrilla marketing. You were rubbing, rubbing two pennies together. What type of guerrilla marketing were you doing at the time? I mean, I can remember like it was yesterday sitting at my, I, I had this little house. It was probably like 1,100 square feet. Um, like five of us were packed in there. My my child and then my two stepkids and my wife and sitting at the t dining room table, just hand addressing hundreds of envelopes. I'd pull up the tax records and if they didn't live there, if they were absentee owner, I'd mail them. I'd do bandit signs. I would do door hangers. Um, I, you know, the, one of the first deals I got, I was on, on a listserv. You're probably too young to even remember what a listserv is, but it's, it was like this Yahoo, it was like this Yahoo listserv and this lady's house was like going into foreclosure. And I was the only one that entire list that like kept in touch with her agent. And then four months later, after I'd made a ridiculously high offer, I didn't know what I was doing. I came back and I knew a little bit more in July and I looked at the numbers again. I was like, yeah, I can't offer you this. I'm going to offer you this. And she took it. Um, so that was, that was another way I got a deal, like a, from a freaking listserv. Hmm. I think I love that because pretty much everybody I know started out by just grinding it out. Right. And, um, and it took you eight months, eight months. Did you have disbelief during that, you know, after month one, after month two, after month three, after month four, did you start to have doubt set in or were you just determined and you knew you could do it because you saw others doing it? You know, I just think I got more and more determined because I had to succeed because I felt so bad about myself from, from a subconscious. I didn't wake up and say something's wrong with you, but everything I've learned over the last three years, I had this, I am not enough syndrome. So I think that fueled me and I knew I was decently smart enough because I had a not that it tell, not that it tells you if you're smart, but I had an undergraduate degree and I made it to an MBA program, like a top school. So I was like, all right, I've got some smart. So no, I just kept getting more persistent. So if if you're listening to this, like imagine if I would have quit five, six, seven months in. Do you know how many people like were just about to quit? Jack Canfield, Chicken Soup for the Soul. He went to 131 publishers. So. If I would have quit, I don't so know what many. I would have done. I, I would have probably gone back to a nine to five job. I would have had to call the boss when I was sick or wanted to go on vacation. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. Like my my life would have been completely different if I would have given up just a little bit too early. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, but that's everyone's story is different. That's what I that's what I tell everybody I talk to about this. Everybody's story is different. You can't relate and say your story has to be like Brad's or has to be like Dean's or has to be like the next person who's had so much success. And, you know, right out the gate, everyone's story is going to be different for a different reason, but, um, but you push it, through. Don't compare your comparison is a thief of joy. Compare yourself to were you better than yesterday? Were you better mm -hmm. than the day before? I spent so many years comparing myself to other people because of this not feeling enough. I'd go to these masterminds. And I'd be like, 
why is this person doing this and why? And then half of those people, like six months later, weren't even doing what they were claiming where they were having so much success with. So right. <laughs> <laughs> I kill, I just created so much heartache trying to compare myself and saying, I'm not as good as this person. When in reality, we're all just the same. Some people have a gift for making more money, but having more money doesn't mean happiness. Look at Michael Jackson and Prince and Amy Winehouse and uh, Kurt Cobain. Like I could spend hours, like these people have all the money in the world and they're dead now because they didn't, couldn't stand themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think an interesting thing about comparison too, and I've, I've had these conversations more and more lately with some people is what's funny about the perception that you you create for yourself that this person has these things how do they have it you know they're not better than me the reality is which is kind of funny is the people that are the perception you have for those people is the perception you have it's not necessarily the reality of what they really have not not to mention the emotional side of uh you know how they feel and are they happy and are they fulfilled? But even just the things like it might just be a perception they're casting out there for you to see, but they don't, it's kind of, you know, not their reality. So that's another thing to be careful of is you're looking at these people standing in front of Lambos and all these fancy things that they're doing and trips. And, you know, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's a mirage, you know, so so many of them have so little money. It's unbelievable. I said, (laughs) I said to the cart, the uh, the crossover, the little snack shop at my country club. There's a guy that's been in there. One of my favorite employees, Jose. And one time about two years ago, I said, "Do you know that you you because he works two jobs and has for years, and and he's Latino. They're typically great at saving money. Really good." So I yeah. said to him, "You probably have you probably have more money than a number of country club members." And he kind of looked at me like you're you're crazy, but it's the truth because I can promise you. My dad has passed away now, but my dad made millions and millions of dollars. And I guarantee you, I would bet both of my kids' life on it that Jose had more money in his checking bank account than my father did before he died. Yeah, it's funny. So um, I'm curious, as as you went through your journey there, uh, you said you had this feeling of not being enough. What What was it about your past that made you have this feeling of not enough. And and by the way, before you answer it, I think that's a feeling that a lot of us have, right? Um, I know for myself, part of what drove me so much was not only the fact that I was dirt, dirt poor at the time, I'd been on top of the world in the NFL and now starting over with zero. And I felt low about what my circumstances were, wasn't willing to accept those but I had this massive chip on my shoulder that I created for myself because I was just in the NFL. And now I was in my mind, a nobody, my value was now gone. So what, what for you was it that, that made you feel like you weren't enough? Before I answer that, I want to give you a theory that I have. And the theory is that most star athletes, most people who play on a high level, let's use Tiger Woods. That dude did not feel enough and still doesn't feel enough because he wouldn't have almost killed himself twice in car accidents, almost overdosing on prescription medication, right? I believe that the IQ, the difference between like a mid-level Walmart worker and like a CEO, not I believe, I know this for a fact, the IQ difference is very, very, you would not believe how minuscule the difference is. Why is it that those people are 
CEOs of the Tiger Woods because they don't feel enough. So they got to prove themselves over and over and over again. Tom Brady, I'll have this argument with you or with any with anyone. He doesn't feel enough. If you felt enough, would you spend the time and money to release a video within two minutes of the Super Bowl being done, putting down all your naysayers? No, you wouldn't <laughs> care what people thought about you. He cares what people think about him. So that's my theory. What caused me to not feel enough is childhood programming. This is at the crux of every human suffering that we have. You go through stressful times as a child. In my case, it was my parents fought all the time. My dad would hit me with a belt. He would make fun of me. I had a big head. I'd be teased at school. I'd come home. He would tease me. So when something bad happens, you as a six-year-old, you got to say, why is this bad thing happening to me? Well, I must be bad because guess what? If I can only be good, then my parents will give me the love that I want. So it's almost like your brain is giving you hope for a better tomorrow. It works yeah. great as a six-year-old. It's a survival mechanism. When you're 47 years old and you're buying a 42-foot boat and you've never owned a boat and you're going to take it to the Bahamas, it can be kind of dangerous. That was me. So if you're sitting here saying, well, I'm enough, I have self-love, because if you lack self-love, you lack self-love. If you lack, if you feel not enough, you lack self-love. So three years ago, if you'd asked me that, Dean, I've been like, dude, of course I love myself. I, I have a high self-esteem and I don't care what people think. It was all a lie. So I created this three-minute 12-question self-love quiz at bradchandler.com forward slash quiz. You should go take it. It'll take you three minutes and it will tell you your level of self-esteem. It will tell you if you don't feel that you're enough. If you don't feel enough and you lack self-love, I guarantee you every single area of your life is being negatively impacted to some degree. Your relationships, your health, how you manage your business, how you run your business, how you, how you raise your kids. If your kids have behavioral problems or anxiety or depression, it's because of your lack of self-love and not feeling enough, I promise. Hmm. Yeah, no question about it. it man, the, the childhood age, me with, I got four kids as we're filming this, the oldest is seven. So that gives you perspective. They're all young, right? And I'm I'm seeing, you know, kids are assholes. Assholes. <laughs> and it's amazing. Uh, and I'm not saying my kids are assholes. I'm saying kids are assholes to other kids, right? That's the, that's the problem I see so often. Now, the family, the, the actual family unit is such an important part of that. Huge, maybe the most important. But then seeing how other kids might treat your kids, it'll get you fired up because kids can be jerks, you know, uh, the things they say. But, they but, were... but Dean, kids aren't assholes or jerks. They're hurt. Yeah. yeah they're yeah. hurt. And they're hurt because of the way that their parents treat them. And it's not an indictment on the parents. It's an indictment on how they grew up and they don't even know that they're doing it. When a kid acts out, there's only one reason a kid acts out. It's because that kid lacks connection with a parent. Mm. That's it. That's what I wanted to hear. So that's what I want to hear is, you know, how, how does, uh, is it possible for kids to avoid, you know, the bullying or, you know, uh, the confrontations they have with other kids? Because again, you can't control all the time, the kids that are around your kids, you know, um, how can you, how can you better prepare your kids to be in those scenarios? M most kids that are bullied are bullied because they don't have someone safe to go to at home. Mm -hmm. It's just like uh, sexual predators will always, always, always target the kid that they know don't have, doesn't have a safe place to go. 
So how can you keep a kid from getting bullied? Create a safe environment at home for them. That's that's how you do it. How do you create a safe environment at home? You teach your child how to love themselves unconditionally. How can you teach your kid to live them, love themselves unconditionally if you don't? If I ask you, Dean, give me 12 oranges right now and you don't have them, could you give them to me? No. So the greatest gift that you can ever give your child is to break the multi-generational curse that we're all involved in to, to most of all of us. And how do you do that? You teach them by loving to how to love themselves unconditionally. That's the greatest gift you can ever give, give a kid. If a kid loves himself unconditionally, they're likely not going to be bullied. Hmm. I love that. Ooh, this is helpful. I know I'm. I, so many people listening to this didn't realize they were going to get all these gems along the way, but uh, this is great stuff. I love it. So um, I'm curious. So as as you're you're building this business, you're rubbing your two pennies together. You you get your first deal in in eight months, and you buy your next six deals the next month. And you're, you know, getting this journey started. What were some of the things along the way that created breakthrough that allowed you to say, okay, I'm, I'm not, I'm no longer just getting by. Here's my first breakthrough. How did that happen? And then there's a some point where it's like, you're, you're getting by You're now you maybe have someone on your team that you hired. And now you break through to allow you to scale and do more deals. What were some of those breakthroughs that you did specifically to help you through those, create those breakthroughs? So, so we start, like I said, I bought my first house in 2003. In the first five months of 2005, we netted it on paper a million and a half dollars. So I thought, and on the conscious level, I'm the smartest guy in the world. Like everyone else must be dumb. Like this shit is easy. I'm going to be retired by the time I'm 30 years old, 35. We then went out and bought three development deals in the summer of 2005 within 60 days that cost us $3 million. Some of those, one of those projects cost us 10, took us 10 years to extricate ourselves from. So it, the breakthrough was from the mistake that if I would have just stayed focused and said, wait a minute, how did I just make a million and a half dollars? And by the way, we probably worked free for the next like 18 to 24 months. So that that profit just vanished because we had to pay off all the all the problems, all the all the mistakes. Mm -hmm. So the biggest breakthrough was just freaking stay focused. Like Frank Kern says this all the time. He's one of the top internet marketers. He's like, people, businesses stop doing what works all the time because they want to go on to the next thing or make it bigger. A million and a half dollars, if I would have just stayed focused on making a million and a half dollars over five months, just done that over and over and over again and took a portion of money and stuck it in the stock market, like I would have been in a completely different financial position now. So that that's that was a huge breakthrough is focus on what you know. And if you're going to go into something that you don't know, make sure you have someone on your team that knows what what, what this new venture is about. Mm-hmm. That's such a good lesson. I, I know I've chased s several shiny objects um, along my journey to get to where I'm at now. And they all resulted in setbacks, loss of money out of the pocket, just like you spending the next year plus working for free. I've had I've had two major events like that throughout my journey. And then as of recent, now I have money Oh, look, let's go throw money at this little shiny object that's going to be just automated, quick, easy money. Let's put it into that completely out of my wheelhouse. 
um, and nothing, right? Nothing, uh, is quick, nothing is quick and easy. That money vanishes and, and goes to zero. Nothing in business is quick and easy. It always is harder than you think, and it always takes longer. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, um, so that is a great lesson right there is to stay focused. And I say that too more and more and more because it's been a lesson for me. And naturally, you can't help but to want more and to look at the next big thing, right? I think for a lot of people that start in single family homes, the next thing is multifamily. I'm going to go buy apartments or I'm going to go buy storage or something like that. But your advice was great. If you're going to do something like that, you're not smart at that yet. Regardless of how many, you know, how much time you spent researching and everything, how much the the success that you had, realize how long that took. You're not now not a genius at something else, right? Go find someone else who is really good at it that can help guide you. So you do you know how many people that you and I personally know that are got into multifamily and storage in the last two or three years and are getting absolutely crushed? Because the interest rates just doubled. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they didn't and they didn't plan for that. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's going to be a real problem for a lot of people, and uh, and it's kind of scary. So, um, all right. So that was that was one of your best lessons right there throughout your journey. What else did you have to do? I mean, you, did you get refocused and and double down and get better? What were some of the things that you did? Well, look, I mean, we went through the worst real estate downturn in the history of real estate. I lived through 2008 through 2012. Um, so, I mean, good Lord, the lessons we learned there. Um, when you can buy real estate at 40%, 30% of replacement value, go get every dollar you can dig out of every couch cushion and relative you can and buy as much as you can. I mean, I can remember a scenario where we bought a, ho- a townhouse in Woodbridge, Virginia in like 2008 for like $45,000. And we could have bought another one. And my partner and I look at each other. We're like, let's just wait till it goes down to 40. And then it was somewhere between 2008 and 2010. Within literally 60 days, 55 days, you couldn't touch one for under hundred or $110,000. So um, yeah, what did we learn? We, uh, we were renovating houses. We didn't know about wholesaling. So in the bad times, we would always make the house a little nicer than anything in the neighborhood, price it just a little bit below, make the outside look really nice. When the, when the, you know, most people listening to this have only seen this straight up pricing and, and it, it's price appreciating or houses appreciating bail you out of a lot of problems. I can promise you when stuff now stuff is starting to come down, you can't look at solds. You got to look at the actives. You can't say, oh, this house just sold for 325. I'm going to buy it. And there's an active for 285. Guess what? That house isn't worth 325. It's maybe worth 285. Yeah. So, man, I mean, we learned so we stopped marketing for a year. Like we spent gazillions of dollars on marketing. And in 2010, I think in February 2010, we bought 24 properties off of MLS, all bank, all bank REOs. It was a beautiful thing. So just adapt, like adapt with what's going on with the, with the market. There's always going to be potential. There's always going to be an opportunity to make money. You just have to stay focused and not try to do too much too fast and get distracted. Yeah, I love that. What what was it like to to build out your team? How how big did your team get? How big is your team now? 
what were some of the things that, that helped you along the way and maybe some of the mistakes you made? In 2010, we, we, we got like, we contracted for like, oh my God, how many square feet? 10,000 square feet of office space. It was a large number. We had like 75 people between agents and people on our team. Wow. We started a Keller Williams team in 2008. By 2010, we were the number one Keller Williams team in North America. We did $120 million and like close to 800 transactions. Guess how much money we made. I'm going to, uh, with the smirk you have, I'm going to say not a lot. <laughs> yeah, negative. We, we lost money. And here's why. Because the guy that's talking right now was trying to become the first agent team ever to sell a billion dollars in a year. So what was I focused on? I was just focused on top line sales. So we were hiring like three or four people a week sometimes. And we woke up a year later and my partner's like, dude, I think we just lost a million dollars doing this. I think if we hadn't have done this and just focused on, on the home buying, we'd have another million dollars in the bank. Why looking back did I do that? Because I didn't feel enough. So if I could be the first guy to be, uh, sell a billion dollars, maybe I was going to be worthy. But the funny thing is it wouldn't have changed anything. When you don't feel enough, it doesn't matter if you make a 500000 10000 or $10 million, you're still going to feel like shit about yourself. The yeah. money doesn't change. Nothing outside of yourself can ever bring you happiness. Everything that you ever needed to be happy, you have right now inside of you. That's crazy. Going for the billy, huh? Going for the billy, yep. <laughs> we made it to 120 million. I got my picture with Gary Keller. I mean, it cost me a million. The picture might have cost me a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Expensive picture, but at the time you were chasing it. So uh, that's crazy. So, okay. Let's talk about the big shift. You You shifted from focusing on making money to making an impact. And it actually made you more money. What led you to that shift and walk us through that? Yeah, I touched on this, but I was trying everything I could to get my son help for anxiety that I was a part of. Um, and I had a, a performance coach, um, Annie, you know her, saying, hey, you've got a tick. Um, every time you talk about your childhood, you blink a lot. You might have some unresolved childhood trauma that's affecting your son. And so I went out and worked with her and her husband in a weekend and like three hours, really, I came out of there with this massive shift. I was a completely different human being. And I came back home and I looked around and I'm like, hold on a minute. I think I just figured out the secret to life. And as I look around at all these people I know that are suffering, oh my gosh, it's the same problem. I bet you I can help them. So I just started telling people about my, you know, people like, why you just seem so different? Like what's going on? And so I started talking through with people and they're like, wow, um, you're really good at this. And, and then I'm like in March of 2022, I'm like, I'm going to take my first paid client. I took a paid client and I had the tremendous success with her and I just kept building it. So I now spend an hour a week. We did 253 flips and wholesales last year in Express Home Buyers. And I now spend an hour a week in that business. And I spend the rest of my time helping people transform their life by just doing this very simple thing. We go back and we figure out where in, in your childhood... Did you have this programming that you're still holding on to today that's keeping you in these shitty relationships and business chaos and drinking too much and eating too much and causing you anxiety and depression and causing you to work, you know, way, way, way too much at the expense of your relationships? And I've just, I've studied under some of the best people and I've got this five-week formula that just works really freaking well. 
So you went, you went to this, uh, to this person, you lit some incense, you, you hit some, some of the bells and what, what, (laughs) What what really happened? What was that? A, what was that experience like? What did you guys do that made you f- come out and feel like, whoa, I'm a different person now? What happened is he asked me to come up with a list before I laid down in this really comfortable Airbnb bed of the times in my life where I felt like I didn't have control or I had some type of stress and trauma. And then we talked through it and we figured out that the story that I likely told myself was that something was wrong with Brad and he wasn't enough. And I figured out that it never had anything to do with me. But as a child trying to survive, I internalized it. And when I walked out of there, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is what my clients say after the hypnosis session. Cause I use hypnosis as part of my toolkit. Cause I think it's the best way your subconscious mind uh, drives 95% of your behavior. So in hypnosis, we can just access your subconscious mind and when, I, when we finish that, almost every single person's like, oh my God, I feel so much lighter. I feel so much freer. So that's what I felt. I, I felt this tremendous weight that, oh my God, I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Like I'm enough. And that shifted everything. That that went back to the, you know, to, to the company of, I don't have to go make a gazillion dollars. So now we're not trying to do 25 different things. Like I literally had a new initiative every week. I would drive, we, we did an exit interview one time with a guy and he goes, if you don't like what Brad and Judd do, Judd's my business partner, he's like, just wait a week because I just forget about it and I'd move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So there's none of that chaos in the business. Like we're very methodical. We've got numbers. We're trying to hit a budget. We we don't go crazy and spend all this marketing dollars. It's all like methodical and planned out now. Whereas before it was just like I was, I was in fight or flight, which most human beings stand. I had the proverbial line chasing me. And so when you get the line chasing you, you're just trying to survive. Give me as much as I can. I don't feel good about myself. So I need more, 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 more. Yeah. That's the definition of every addict. There's not one addict that's ever walked the planet that felt enough. So when you don't feel enough, you need more, more, more. So you came out of this feeling like this weight was lifted off of you. And immediately went back and switched up the business, got things real focused. Yeah. I mean, I had a conversation with my partner. I like told him everything. And he's like, oh my God, Brad, this all makes sense now. And I was like, this is how I'm going to be different. And he's just like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. And I've done everything that I said I was going to do. Like we just, we, we refocus, we like stop trying to, I, I could immediately see all of these five mistakes came from me trying to prove my worth. $9 million trying to prove my worth. I would literally have $5 million more in the bank today had I gone through that training like 20 years ago. (laughs) I don't say that because I wish that happened. I am absolutely happy with everything that happened and where I am because I believe everything in this world happens for a reason and I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change a thing. If if you live your life that everything happens for you, then you never have a bad day ever again. Because think of the things that you thought were bad in your life that have turned out to be complete blessings. Yeah. So you feel like a lot of it comes back to your, not only coming to terms with maybe the way you grew up or your circumstances, but also just the mindset and the way you approach things. Uh. The way your mindset and you approach things is 99.9% of how you're brought up. That's what I've learned. 
That's what I've learned. So if you're struggling and you're in a bad marriage or you have eating or addiction problems or anxiety, depression, it's not your fault. I promise you. Most people don't even know what the cause of it is. They want to go to psychiatrists and therapists and spend 30 years or be be diagnosed, labeled, and put on drugs, but that's all band-aids. To get to the source to, to fix any problem, whether it's mental or physical, you've got to go to the source of the pain. No one was born with limiting beliefs. No one was born with eating disorders or depression or anxiety. It was all learned behavior. So stop trying to mask it at 35 or 50 years old with drugs or therapy. Go back and just figure out where it started and then reverse the thinking. Use neuroplasticity. You can literally change the makeup of your brain by telling it something different. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, the mind is a the mind is a powerful thing and I you know the I believe this and I hear it more and more is uh what you feed your brain is what it believes, you know? The information you give to it, what you tell yourself uh is is ultimately how you you shape and form your beliefs, the way that your subconscious works. You would say that way more eloquently than I would, but I, I'm a big believer of that um, without question. So because of the shift and understanding, <clears throat> uh, you know, essentially what you want and how you want to live and, and having more fulfillment, how are you able to set up your business so that you're able to work one hour a week and, and do the amount of business that you guys do? So I have an amazing team and I have an amazing system. Um, I have a CFO, a real competent CFO that's good in operations. And then my my partner has uh, kind of re-engaged. He stepped into a lot, almost like a senior acquisition person or, or, or manager. He's doing an amazing job. And we... Um, we uh, the the acquisition manager left, and we promoted someone from acquisitions into the manager role. And now he reports to my partner, and he's he's just a really smart guy. And they're clicking, and things are going well. Um, so what do I do? I show up. Uh, I don't even show up a lot of times. I do it over Teams. Um, for a one hour managers meeting once a week, and I just I look at the numbers. I put some of my input in, and you know the team is just just rocking and rolling. I'd say that's probably the dream for most people is to get to that point, to be the real business owner. Um, do you feel that's capable for everybody? Do you feel like anybody can do that? Or is it, you know, are you special and you've got something else that other people don't? <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not special. Um, anyone can do it. It's just, it's just systems and processes. It's systems, processes, and people. That's it. Um, and we have people in our, you know, Gary, Gary at Sharper um, Business Systems, like he can go in and systematize any business. So it's just, I think a lot, it, when we talked about focus, right? If you just stay focused and so much of this stuff, now that I know this, where people go wrong, it's not how much marketing dollars they spent. It's literally how they feel about themselves that's driving their behavior and the people that they attract. So it becomes so much easier to put the right people and systems in place. If you're trying to make money for the sake of, of making an impact, go solve people's problems in a good way and you'll make more money than you ever dreamed of. But so many people like myself try to make money because they think it's going to bring them happiness. Here's the thing. We get into business because we think if we make this much money, we're, our state is going to change. We're going to be happy. The irony is that you don't need that money and if today you learn how to get that state by just doing the internal work, the chances of you making that money two years from now, 10 years from now is exponentially higher because you're not focused on making money to prove yourself. So this Brad Chandler coaching that I started, 
it was the first company since I started selling blow pops in seventh grade that I didn't start with how much money can I make? My sole focus every day when I wake up is how can I continue to get better results from my clients? And I think if we talk in five years from now, I may be making more money in that business than I'll ever do in real estate because I don't know if you've seen my energy level. Like I'm passionate about this. I read every day. Like I can't get enough of psychology and how the brain works. And I'm doing it for the right reasons. All I want to do is help people change their life. I want to literally help change the world. There's so many kids that are struggling, adults, the whole population, 83% of the United States identifies as not being very happy. Why? Because they have this flawed thinking. So just focus on helping people and the money will come. I love that. That's that's what I uh, that's what I teach my students when it comes to um, negotiating. I don't tell them that, oh, you got to be a great negotiator. You got to use these strategies. I'm like, just care about the other person on the other side of the phone and figure out how you can help them. If you just genuinely care, then you're going to ask them more meaningful questions, which are going to lead to better answers, which are going to lead to you being able to help solve their problem. So uh, I love that. And guess what? How do you care for someone? You got to care for yourself first. Mm. So if you lack self-love and you have this terrible, that like, I'm no good, is it going to be really easy to be empathetic and care for someone and show them love? No. So every single thing comes down to, this sounds woo-woo, every single single problem in our world, literally from terrorism to child self, self tra sex, sex trafficking to the wars in Ukraine and Israel, it all has to do with an individual's lack of self-love. Why do they lack self-love? Because of something that happened to them as a child. This can all be fixed. Like literally, we don't need we don't need 33% of Americans on anti-antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs. We just need to change their thinking. That's it. Mm -hmm. By going back to see where did it go wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell me more about Brad Chandler coaching. What, what is it that you work with your clients on? Like what are kind of the foundational pieces that you help put together for them? Yeah. By the way, if you love this type of stuff, I have a podcast, How to Be Happier for Entrepreneurs. So check it out. Um, we talk all about this stuff and how to be super happy and successful. Um, the, the typical client has uh, anxiety, has lack of joy, um, is working too much, is drinking too much, is smoking too much weed. In bad relationships, their their spouse and them just don't get along. Um, and again, the problem in relationships is never the actual relationship. It's the relationship that each individual has with themselves. So one of my star clients came to me a year ago with a marriage that was on the brink of divorce. Ask him about his marriage today. And he's like, it's phenomenal. Did I ever sit down and have a marriage counseling session with him? Did I even ever meet or talk to his wife? Nope. All I did was get him to change the way that he thought about himself and then everything changed. Hmm. That's huge. So yeah, we work with, I work individually one-on-one, -on -one. my partner Yvonne, um, She's uh she's takes on clients as well. We're working with a husband and wife couple now. She works with the wife. I work with the husband and over five week Zoom session and one on one sessions and some group coaching and some uh um I've got this amazing tool called the Joy Regenerator that allows you to like literally process your emotions and, and end conflict with the spouse because conflict actually should bring you closer to your spouse rather than further apart. Yeah. Most people wouldn't believe that, right? 
Yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, my, my, my conflicts would, act, would would end up in like with my previous marriage, like three days of complete silence and not wanting to be around her. And I didn't like it, but I didn't know why. And now I know why. And now in my intimate relationship, like if a problem arises, I just talk about it and we solve it because I'm not fighting for my worth. And if you lack self-love, I promise you, you're not going to go out and marry someone with extreme self-love. You go out and marry someone at your same level, and then you've got two people fighting for their worth. That doesn't typically end up. It either ends up in codependency where one person's like, I'm just going to do whatever because I don't deserve better, or it ends up in just complete, you know, fighting all the time and, and you know, chaos. Yeah. Well, this has been incredible, man. I've, I've been eating this up. I told you I, I should have brought some popcorn with me because uh, <laughs> I'm just here to soak up everything you're talking about. It's so good. Uh, most people are here talking about money and how much they're making, how to make more of it. Uh, but this is a completely different perspective to to work on yourself, take the shift uh, of of your focus being on money and actually loving yourself more. And uh, the results you'll get will actually be better. So um, appreciate you coming on, Brad. Been such a pleasure. Guys, you guys can reach Brad, Brad Chandler, bradchandler.com. You guys can find him on Instagram, uh, uh, Brad Chandler Coaching. Um, so... Dude, it's been such go a take, pleasure go, to have you on. Go, go take, thank you so much. It was an awesome. Go take the quiz because that's the first step in what could completely change your life and your kid's life for generations to come. Because all change has to begin to come with awareness, begin with awareness. So bradchandler.com forward slash quiz. Go take the quiz. And uh, this may be the first step that you take to, to change your life and, and live the dreams that you've always dreamt and that you deserve too, by the way. You deserve to have a great business making money. You deserve to have healthy kids. You deserve to have this amazing relationship with an intimate partner. I love that. Thanks so much for being on, Brad. I really appreciate it. Thanks. All right, guys. Till next time. Peace.